Nasruddin is a character in the spiritual folklore all over the Mideast and indeed out into the Far East, into China. No one really knows if Nasruddin was a real alive person at some point, maybe in the 12th century. But in the stories of Nasruddin, we're never quite sure if he is a great teacher of wisdom or a fool, if he is messing with people or truly the butt of the joke. So one of the stories of Nasruddin goes that one day the people in the village saw Nasruddin charging down the hill towards the village on a horse. And the horse was going full speed. Nasruddin was bouncing around, going up one street and down the other. His eyes were bulging out. He was leaning forward really intensely. Someone shouted out to him, Nasruddin, where are you going? He said, I don't know. Ask the horse. <laughs> and this is a typical Nasruddin story, which is kind of silly, but points us to an essential question of our human life. Will we be carried along through life, saddled to the back of powerful, overriding scripts? Scripts that have blindly dictated human choices throughout the ages. Scripts that have defined the history and course of humanity, including personal lives. And I'm talking about scripts such as the message that our value is determined by how much we achieve or how we look or what people think of us or how much we have. In our modern day, those types of scripts are even more insidiously, power, insidiously powerful because they are dictated to us relentlessly in things like uh, video images of superstars and social media and the banter of news and in professionally designed advertising that's, gra uh, that's designed to seize our attention and tell us what we need in order to be happy. We talk about temptations in the wilderness. Our choices and our emotions are invisibly and continuously shaped by the runaway horse of human conditioning. So will the place where we are going in life ultimately be determined by clinging to this beast of unexamined assumptions and ways of being? Or will we choose to undergo a radical change in our consciousness, the radical shift in identity that Jesus calls us to? Mark's gospel today is deceptively short and seemingly simple, but it's filled with so much. In just over a hundred words, Jesus arrives from Nazareth, is baptized by John, has a life-changing vision of God, goes out to the desert where he's tempted by the, de the devil, and comes back transformed, as evidenced by his proclamation of the good news that God's realm is near. And all of this launches him in his three-year miracle-filled ministry that changes the world. And it's a ministry in which he repeatedly and passionately calls people to let go of old identities, old consciousness, old conditioning. Of course, nobody wanted to listen to this because we humans don't like radical change. We don't even like small changes. And so most of the people who came into contact with him resisted the radical change he was calling for or refused it entirely. And this includes not only the scribes, 
and the Pharisees, but also the townspeople and the followers of Jesus and even his 12 disciples who to the very end would say, surely there must be a better or more easy way. One, uh, this short passage of Mark is so much layered with symbolism and meaning. It outlines not only the auspicious process that Jesus went through to launch his ministry, but it foretells what his ministry is going to be about. And it is also a map of sorts for us. It tells us about our journey in these 40 days of Lent, and it's also a map of the greater human journey, the greater human journey of radical change that takes us from the bondage of human conditioning, strapped to a runaway horse, into the freedom and fullness of life in God, in the internal truth of who we are. Like Jesus, we too wander in the wilderness. We too experience hunger in the wilderness of sorts, hunger from loneliness or the sense of meaninglessness or from self-loathing or a sense of inadequacy or hunger arising from the deeply unresolved longings of our soul. We experience the wilderness in our suffering due to illness or the illness of our loved ones. We experience it in our fear of death and in the agony of non-forgiveness in regret and other things that keep us awake at four in the morning. Our whole human family is wandering in the wilderness of our collective violence, our senseless cruelty, killing one another and maiming one another, and in our collective apathy towards those who are suffering the most. In the wilderness, we too face powerful temptations to give in to the comfort of our conditioning, to seek happiness in lesser things only, and to cuddle up with our old, easy, comfortable sense of things because radical change just feels like too much. We identify with the people in Jesus' lifetime who refused to change. One commentator on today's gospel said that this sympathetic identification with them can push us into a spiritual rite of passage in which we, quote, struggle through the tensions of holding on and letting go. Struggle through the tensions of holding on and letting go. And this is exactly where we belong on this first Sunday of Lent. So here we are, deeply longing for the peace and freedom and the promises of Christ, but also, at the same time, resisting it with the underground forces of a runaway horse beneath us. So what can we do? Well, today we recited the beautiful great litany, which is often done on the first Sunday of Lent, and we do so to remember our need for God and the power of our trusting in God and trusting in God's grace with all our heart. We have asked God today to have mercy on us and deliver us, but we have to also remember, we are not lifeless, passive recipients of God's gifts. We need to choose to actively enter what God has already given us 
and engage those gifts with all our hearts and all our minds and all our strength. Our wandering in the wilderness will continue until we realize that to live is to change. To be fully alive is to be ever responsive to God in the present moment. Everything that is alive is continually changing form. The message that came thundering through John the Baptist, the harbinger of Jesus Christ, was the call to repent. The Greek word for repent is metanoia. And what that word actually means is a change of mind. We could say a change of consciousness or a change of heart. So the practices of Lent, and indeed the energy of the grace of Lent, which is real and palpable, are powerful tools to guide us in this radical change of identity and shift in consciousness. We have to choose the engagement, it's true, but be assured that the change comes about through God. The traditional primary practices of Lent are, are three, fasting, penitent prayer, penitent prayer, and acts of charity. And these practices help to saturate us in the grace of God and open us up. We might fast from food or habits or certain ways of thinking and do it as a discipline. The primary reason we fast is to experience the reality that we most need the strength of God, the strength of the primal force of life, the primal wisdom and love from which all things flow. All the other things that we depend on for nourishment are secondary. Uh, to reflect more deeply on this ancient practice of fasting, um, you're welcome to come join us, ironically, for a meal um, after the 6 p.m. service every Wednesday in Lent, and we'll be uh, meeting to eat and to reflect. Our prayers for Lent call us in particular to self-awareness and self-examination, self-accountability, to notice with clarity where we are, where, er, where are our thoughts drawn, what are we focusing on. Our prayers often also soften and open us up to the experience of grace and to the quieting of the mind that clears our inner senses to sense and perceive that grace. You can also join us for prayer during Lent in the Chapel of the Cross every Thursday morning at 8.30 for morning prayer or 5.30 in the evening on Tuesday for contemplative prayer. And finally, our acts of charity are an opportunity to embody the love and to feel that love in action in ourselves. Of course, there are a number of Lenten opportunities for, for that, beginning with today, if you'd like to support the homeless stand down, you can do that by taking a Ziploc bag that's out in the foyer and has instructions on it on how to create a hygiene kit. And these will be donated on the one day event called Homeless Stand Down in which uh, essential services and necessities are provided to more than 1,500 individuals and families who are experiencing homelessness. So in this Lenten, journey toward radical transformation, death into life that Jesus is calling us to do. 
would like to finish by encouraging us to remember two things. One, we are not alone. God, the Holy Spirit, is with us in all moments, even in our worst human moments. And Jesus has gone before us into the wilderness to show us the way. And we are also not alone because we have each other and we need each other. Second, I encourage us to remember that where we are heading in this holy season leading toward Easter is also where we are heading in the mystic journey of human souls in creation. We are heading towards a fierce and holy death, and the way there is not easy and it can be disorienting. But the power the power of the wilderness and the power of what's hard is nothing. It's nothing compared to the power and peace of new life in truth, in the timeless of God, in God, and with God eternally. <laughs>